Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome everyone to The Distraction here on Fightful.com. I am Jeremy Lambert, joined as always by the disappointing Joel Holbert. Yeah, yeah, well this is very scary times, Jeremy, right now, because we actually intend to review a pay-per-view, that's the first scary thing. The second scary thing is I can't see you right now, which is very sad, (laughs) podcast limitations. And the third, of course, is that there's a major elephant in this room, that we're about to get into, and I haven't even really got takes on it, but I know you're going to, and that's going to upset me. So, <laughs> yes, proceed with the show. WrestleMania, backs against the wall. What a success, right? Backs against the wall. They came fighting out of there. Well, first, just can- first, I would like to thank WWE for putting a smile on my face this this past weekend. That was their goal. A nice Kevin Owens Cup. Uh, that was their goal, and I think they succeeded. And show it off. There you go. I don't know. I don't know when it was acquired, but it's there. I was planning on doing this as a podcast bit, but it's now lasted one minute. It's been called out, so there you go. It's the way it is. <laughs> okay, continue. You've got to tell me of these things if you. I'd forgotten it myself. It was. A, it was a bit I'd already kind of. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> um, they put a smile on my face. They put a smile on a lot of people's faces. As you said, no one performs better when their backs are against the wall than WWE. Forget private islands, forget holding events in outer space, things like that. WWE, they are the absolute best when you put their back against the wall, and they proved it at WrestleMania. Let's get into this, Joe. Let's get into, as you said, the elephant in the room. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross win the tag team titles. Yeah. How? I mean, that was your rest of, that was the opening match. Did you even watch the rest of the show? No, I didn't. I, I, the opening segment, so we had, we had Gronkowski after the 25 minute opening video package and I was starting to consider what I was doing in my life. Uh, I was unsure of what was ahead. Then we had the women's tag title match and I was introduced to JBL who apparently was on commentary for the show. And I do want to make a point about this, Jeremy. Is there anything more JBL than being available to do this show under these circumstances? He is the ultimate emergency button, right? I'm half expecting him to just do another five years now after this. But anyway, 
That was a at least be fair here, Jeremy. Great start to the show, right? Yes. Good match, I thought. It was a good match, and it, these were two people or four people, two teams that you can put out there. So you can't see me, so it seems very weird that I just laugh every time you put the Kevin Owens thing. <laughs> Um, these are these are four people you can put out there and like we said on the preview they have enough energy to where it doesn't make it seem as awkward as it was going to be like if you put black and lashley out there is that your opener it's like all right this is a weird thing to start with this is a weird wrestlemania but bliss cross oscar Kyrie saying they made it work yeah i mean the contrast from the energy of this to elias and colbin Oh god! And it's not that Elias and Corbin was like a bad wrestling match. There was no, just was nothing. That, it was. But it wasn't. What I mean is, there wasn't like falling over each other and stuff. There was just nothing to it, right? There was no. There was no energy. It was dead. The, them four was all making so much noise. You didn't even know there was no crowd, right? They had a good match, and um, they set off what I thought WrestleMania Night One was actually like genuinely good. I thought, I thought it was a really, really good watch. The Undertaker and AJ Styles, Bray Wyatt, John Cena, the cinematic movie wrestling. Look, everyone loved this, except for Joe Holbert, the literally the only person in life who did not enjoy these matches. I could not find anyone else on my timeline or in the world who didn't enjoy these. I thought these were fantastic. I am a fan of this stuff because pro wrestling is kind of stupid anyway so and with these circumstances you might as well do a a movie type thing like i don't need undertaker and aj styles in a wrestling ring did anyone really want to see john cena and bray wyatt in a legit wrestling match you may as well do a 15 minute video package that goes through the life and times of john cena and then the clown beats him and sends him off into you know we can't see john cena anymore did you get the subtle maybe that was your issue joe i don't think you got the subtle nuance of these stories i didn't they were too complex for me and the layers were too deep and i was trying to dig my way through them and i just couldn't by the time i was figuring it out the match was over and titus was looking at me firstly jeremy this is where i have to defend myself you're wrong firstly (laughs) i had a wonderful time with the shoot fight that took place on saturday night that just happened to have cinematic presentation because it was in fact a fight I have no problem with the Bray Wyatt John Cena deal. I just have no idea what to make of it as a WrestleMania co-main. I get it. It was very well done. I like the idea. And as you say, it was incredibly complex. Good Lord, how did they figure <laughs> it out? But I just didn't know how I feel about it. That was all. And my issue, as I said last week, I explained it in great detail. I was never going to have an issue with what they did. It was the reaction to what they did that would send me over the edge, which is why as soon as it started, I sent a very nasty tweet to you, Jeremy, because I knew what was about to happen. And next thing I knew, it was art, and it was, you know, Fred's breaking it down. And look, I in all seriousness, if you enjoy it to that degree, God bless you, more power to you. But I, it's just not my thing. It's like the broken universe, not to me, where there's all this stuff that I just don't need or care about. But I love Taker and Styles. I think anyone that dislikes that is an actual insane person. That was wonderful. That was just a a movie fight scene, essentially. And they did exactly what I wanted them to do. Undertaker rides in on his motorcycle. He didn't have uh, You're Gonna Pay playing, but he had Metallica playing. They they spent money on this. They got rights to Metallica song. And Metallica playing, even the bit with the hearse backing up and AJ popping out, and then You Don't Want None starts playing. (laughs) This whole thing was great. Uh, And then Undertaker buried AJ Styles, as correctly predicted. 
predicted by you. I gave AJ a chance, but uh, no, he he literally got buried in this match. Poor guy. I did not expect it to be as long as it was, though. Like this was. Let me. How do I explain this case? So this was exactly what I expected it to be. If you take four minutes of the twenty-five and showed it to me, I'd be like, "Yeah, that's what I thought this would be." When you extended it to the whole fight scene epic finale, it was like something way above what I expected. I totally am with the idea that this can be a thing we do often. When I say often, I mean once, twice a year. The other thing is different, right? Can we at least concede that it's very, very different? The other thing, that's like an angle almost. It's just a different thing. Let me, let me real quickly on the Undertaker thing. I think you can do this. Undertaker can get another ten years out of this thing if they just keep doing this at WrestleMania. And I'm not even, I'm not even kidding about this. This is the Undertaker's new WrestleMania streak. Is he just can he, can anyone beat him in the Boneyard match? And the, I look at it as like a Clint Eastwood movie or something yes. like that. And it's just like all oh, the old guys retiring, but then you know someone comes out and challenges them to this fight, and they they just oh, what's the what's the Mark oh shooter with Mark Wahlberg? Mark Wahlberg is just <laughs> off into the the sunset. He's retired, and the CIA or whatever comes back. He's like, we need the best. We got this guy. We need him to. We need you to take him out. And Wahlberg's like, I don't know. I got a family and stuff. And then they talk him into it. Like you could just do that same story over and over again with the Undertaker, with all these heels trying to challenge him and stuff 10 years you can get out of the undertaker doing this he was wonderful in this like legitimately was great in this he was because he took it a lot of these cinematic deals and i love that we've framed this as cinematic the wrestling <laughs> universe it's just as like, that's what we're going to call it and i get it but a lot of them are kind of wink wink and like they're odd and, and they do the thing you said about wrestling is silly anyway let's just have fun there was none of that in the undertaker pal it didn't matter if he was teleporting or blowing stuff up with his arms he was dead serious. He was at kill AJ Styles, I'm pretty sure. So that made it fun to me. Um, I loved that. I thought it was a great main event. And it's one I will actually remember for a long time in a way that I might actually rewatch it. The other deal is a whole other thing. The Cena Bray thing, I enjoyed it. I, I don't yep. believe there was this layered, complex, deep storytelling that everyone wants. The people are writing articles and doing like 50 tweet threads of like, did you see this? This is what this meant and all this stuff. I I tweeted it out that um, essentially what it, what it comes down to is wrestling is not that deep. Like no matter how many people want to try to come up with all this stuff of just like, Oh, they, did you see this subtle nuance? Did you see what they did here? Like, this is what that really meant. It, it's really not like they do this stuff to entertain each other and pop each other. And, and that's it. Like it, it's not that deep. The fact that people like people had to explain, Oh, John Cena, when he came out with the NWO, this is what would have happened if he turned heel. Like, you didn't get that? It's very, it's right in front of you, a lot of this stuff. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. This is what I knew would happen. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a good idea. It's a simple idea. And it was very well executed, made excellently, great stuff, no argument with it. But it then becomes this thing where we pretend that there's someone out there that didn't understand it. I don't know where these people are. I think everyone understood it, right? It was not that, that complicated. This is now Wrestling's The Shine, and I explained this on Twitter. And in 20 years, there will be a four-hour documentary breaking down all the theories. Bray will be sitting there with his, with his grey beard explaining how great it was and all the genius that went into it. And um, only in professional wrestling can we um, 
turn something like this into what it has become, which apparently is the greatest piece of art that film has ever seen. So I'm glad people enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as a insane 15 minutes of programming. I just didn't end it thinking, oh, my God, someone give Bray a film contract. <laughs> that wasn't my takeaway from it. But you, it was very well Oscar for all of this. No. WWE's going to win uh, Best in Film Editing at the next year's Oscars for this piece. They should submit it, honestly. Just submit it, see what happens. They submit uh, Raw for an Emmy. It's better than anything they produced on Raw. I mean, at this rate, I'm not sure how stacked the Oscar lineup will be. So, yeah, maybe maybe they should submit. I agree. Uh, yeah, the the layered combo. There were people who actually didn't understand the NWO bit, and I do think that was the most complex bit of all of this. Is okay. Why is John Cena in the NWO and acting like this? It's like, well, it's because this is what would have happened if he was a heel. But there were people who legitimately didn't get that. This was. Look, I'd rather see this than an actual Bray Wyatt-John Cena match, yeah. which probably would have been very bad. Um, this could have been better if Seth Rollins didn't come into the fun house three months ago and just, like, burn it down and the, no repercussions at all. It's like, this is what should happen when you enter the fun house. You've got to go through, like, your entire career, essentially, and face all your fears and failures and whatnot. Uh, but you know, Seth Rollins just walked in, burned it down. That's the, this is the new fun house. That, yeah. You enter the new fun house. This is what happens. I will say like, it, we do have to somewhat mention John Cena really, he has no insecurity at all, right? In reality, <laughs> because he basically just allowed it all to be covered and then got pinned by a clown. So <laughs> God bless him, man. John Cena don't care. He's there. I mean, the last time we saw him, well, not the last time, but, one of the last times from was the Undertaker deal where he just gets squashed in two minutes. Like he's done, right? He's just happy doing doing these these weird story arcs that get Twitter threads made about him. So yeah. John Cena yeah. got like ten million dollars to do a, a one day movie shoot essentially. Is that a scoop? I no, I don't know what oh. John Cena actually got paid. <laughs> I was really hoping you'd be like, Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, two million flat. He got $10 million to do a one-day movie shoot, basically. Like, this is... This man is a genius. He really is. Like, I, of course he doesn't have any insecurities. He's like, yeah, give me my money. I'll do one day. Cena gets, like, $10 million to do, you know, 50-day movie shoots up in Canada, where he's got way more way more work to put in than this. This was easy for Cena. Light work. This was a lot more layered, though, than those films, and there's a lot more artistic worth for these, I would say. Um, but I understand what you're true, saying. Actually. No, it is true. It's 100% true, thinking about the films he's done, yeah. Yeah, that's, in fact, credit to him. They top Cena's best work, I guess, right? That's, that was the aim. What is John Cena's best movie? Oh, I have no idea. I have not seen any of them since he's become an actual actor. I've not seen any of them. Because I saw the ones he did when he was, like, WWE's John Cena deal. Because that's different, isn't it? You know? Right. All rounds and all that business. Uh, I have no clue what he's done since that's good. I doubt any of it is good, actually, but here we are. He did the Firefly Funhouse, so what are you going to do? He was great in Trainwreck. It was good in uh, the the first, um, the Marine. The first Marine wasn't bad. And yeah, they're fine action films, right? Yeah. Those films, they're just all what they are. I mean, they've got worse. Through the years, they progressively have got worse, but <laughs> they are what they are. They're not, like, offensively bad for the most part. Um... So, Joe, you didn't... I expected more pushback on 
Look, I have none. I, I have no problem with it. I totally understood it. I thought this was well done. Well done, Bray. You avoided having a bad wrestling match with John Cena. Congrats, bravo. I moved on. I obviously capitalised a little bit on a Twitter bit, and then I realised I was losing like 10 followers by the second. And I was like, okay. People are actually taking this seriously. This stop. It was exactly what I expected it to be. Lots of silly faces from John. Bray was very good. We move on to the clown having matches. Great. Yeah, that's the disappointing thing, is now, like, Bray yeah. Wyatt's just got to be Bray Wyatt. Yeah. Exactly. That's why I'm not going to get excited for it. It's like, oh, we should do this all the time. It's like, who else are you really going to do it with, man? Like, he's going to just have matches again, and we all move on with back to what we were talking about before. I hope that they do take a lesson from this and start doing, like, I don't need this stuff every single, this is the thing with WWE, is they're going to see this reaction and be like, oh, they like, People love this. They're going to come up with a yearly pay-per-view, like the WWE Cinematic Universe pay-per-view, and just every match is going to be this cinematic match, and people are just going to get tired of it very quickly because that's that's what WWE does. Yeah, keep it light. Like, like Do the Undertaker match once a year if you need to. Do a Bray Wyatt type thing once a year. Maybe not even if that, but don't run this stuff into the ground, and that's what they're very good at not doing. I did want to ask, Jeremy, did Mrs. Lambert watch um, both of these matches? She did watch the Undertaker and AJ mm-hmm. Styles match. She After that, she's like, I'm not watching this John Cena, Bray Wyatt deal. Uh, she she has no time for this cinematic stuff because, like with the Matt Hardy stuff, or the, the Brody Lee stuff, where she's like, Brody Lee's just a bad actor. You know, she watches movies and, like, gives it, like, she, she watches the, what's the, what's the movie with the fish who they won the Oscar for? The, the State of Water or something? I don't oh, know. Oh, I'm not clear. Yeah, carry on. Uh, like, she watches those high art films and, like, knows yeah. what actual, like, high art is. So she sees this kind of stuff. It's just like, this is kind of dumb. And she doesn't like action movies anyway. Like, so, yeah, she, she thought it was entertaining. She thought it was, like, dumb entertainment. And so I count that as a win for WWE, I guess. I was pondering that part of it. I was I was trying to figure out if this makes wrestling more accessible to normal people or less. The Bray Wyatt John Cena match confirmed for me that it is definitely less because oh, I'm if that made no sense to a normal person, right? Yeah, None whatsoever. Yeah. If you try to show that to a normal person, I think they would just look at you and be like, So this is what you watch every week, this is what you do a podcast on every week, like you can do something with your life. Yeah, I mean, I watched both nights WrestleMania with my brother, and he knows, like, he watches a lot of wrestling. He doesn't really follow the product now closely, and he genuinely thought Bray Wyatt John Cena was the most offensive thing he's ever seen in his life. So well, that might be the other reason he didn't love it. He doesn't understand the layered nuances. Exactly. That's true. Them. You're right. You are right. <laughs> but the thing is, everyone reading the threads, I don't know. I don't want to get into the, the workings of wrestling Twitter, but I would assume if you're seeking out threads about John Cena, Bray Wyatt, you're aware of it. That's why I always find this stuff confusing. It's either too far outside of it to understand any of it, or you've got every single piece of it. Nonetheless, it was the WrestleMania co-main event. Continue. Um, it was. Well, the Undertaker AJ Styles at least main evented. That was the right call, main eventing with that. Yeah, well. definitely. I think probably should have main evented. In hindsight, I'd have had it main event the weekend, but I guess you had to do the hot big show angle, which we'll get to another time. <laughs> So, yeah, it, look, I love the AJ take around, and you're totally right about, I mean, 10 years is a long time, but there is definitely some matches that you could do in this universe with Taker that are awesome, because Taker was great in this. He looked at home in this. He'd have been waiting for it for years. You you can do the same match that everybody's yeah. been clamoring for. You you can do, like, 
you could get a lot of mileage out of like these old timers coming in there and doing this type of stuff you know like yeah definitely um and stink can wear a shirt too right yeah, so that's stink the can wear a shirt i don't know if you would get that kind of like heat between the fight and that's the thing you've got to have the right story for something like that like i think you would do more like mystical power stuff because aj wasn't you know shooting lasers or anything or, or disappearing uh popped his hand out of the grave but you know sting would have to do that kind of stuff he would have to do the teleportation stuff yeah i mean it was impressive though that Gallows and Anderson had like found ten guys to put masks on and just fight <laughs> the Undertaker. I don't know how they pulled that off. Uh, I don't know if that was like bad luck Farley under one of those or anything like that. But here we are. It was um, it was incredible. Carl Anderson is dead, I said, right? I'm pretty sure he was on top dead. of that thing. Oh, yeah, but I just thought that they would kind of have a plan to get AJ out. But I mean, Carl Anderson was on top of a building and got blown up, so I just assumed he was long gone. I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen... Have you seen any of these three men? No, nope, not been in contact with them, Jeremy, which is a big surprise, as you know, as an insider of this business. I don't know where they're at or why. So anyone out there that knows anything, please inform us. Very serious topic. Yeah, so, I mean, AJ has not been gaming. He hasn't been on his mixer or anything. He is he was... not? That's wonderful. No. Good for him. <laughs> I actually have the notifications turned on because when he does go live, I want to get his comments... Uh, on the match, but he's not been on the mixer since the match. So for right now, we're pronouncing AJ Styles dead until further notice. It is worth noting that AJ Styles has had an absurdly awesome career. And the fact that he gets to have this weird piece of history on his resume too, is not even fair, right? Like he'd done more than enough in history. And now we give him the boneyard match too on top of all of it. So who would have thought it? What a story. It's a, and he got the main event of Mania, right? Even if it's kind of different, it's still the main event. He had one of the shows. So good for AJ, even if he is now dead. The two WWE title matches, Braun oh, wow. Strowman and Drew McIntyre are your new champions. Braun Strowman defeated Goldberg to win the Universal title. They explained Roman Reigns' absence by just saying Braun Strowman. <laughs> <laughs> It was literally a blink and you missed it moment on SmackDown. They were talking about Elias and Corbin and it's like, we got breaking news on this Elias and Corbin match. And they just said, Elias is clear to compete. He's going to be there. It's good to go. And then right after that, she's like, and now Braun Strowman is replacing Roman Reigns against Goldberg. And then they moved on. It was a quick line, a quick graphic. That was it. And then at WrestleMania, Strowman just showed up. No explanation for Roman Reigns. Joe, we did a 10-minute bit on how to get Roman Reigns out of this match. <laughs> and they literally just threw a graphic up there. Yeah, credit to everyone on social media. It was like, just wait out, bro. It'll be explained. Good one. <laughs> like that. Next night, no, no more explanation. So thank you for that. But, okay, I'll go ask you this. I'm going to have to just stop questioning it. Like, is it just me or was Goldberg and Braun one of the funniest matches in history of professional wrestling? Because I thought it was hilariously funny. It was the same. I mean, it was the match you expected. I didn't think it was hilariously funny. I don't know why. Yeah. Why did you take so much perverse enjoyment in this? <laughs> because, okay. Firstly, the empty arena setting for that match was just wonderful. Goldberg had the security. I did like that. Yes, and but he looks. His face was that of a man that regretted everything he'd ever done in his life. He looks so, not even disappointed, just so uninterested in everything and. 
the fact that the whole match layout, and ironically we would see it again before the weekend was over, the match layout just being that Goldberg exhausted himself with spears and could no longer do anything was awesome. I loved it. None of, we all knew he couldn't do the jackhammer. And that was the one part of the show where not being live hurt it because there was no kind of tension as to will someone die by a jackhammer because we knew it would have been cut by this point, right? So, yeah, I just thought it was hilarious. The fact that <laughs> poor Goldberg getting up for those power slams, man, he honestly shouldn't be in the ring. I know that we have a lot of fun, but he is legitimately and he declined physically, I think, quite a bit since the Brock match that I'm sure you enjoyed as much as me, like, what, three years ago now? This was hilarious to me. And the right result, right? I, we agree with that, right result? Yeah, Goldberg is going to be in the boneyard in a couple of years. And yes. That, that's how you prolong that man's career as well. I don't need to see Goldberg in the ring ever again. It was obvious after the Undertaker match that it just wasn't there and people wanted to blame it on a concussion, but it's like, no, this guy just, he doesn't have it. And it, the, the Bray match is bad. This was bad. He couldn't get up for the power slams. He could barely do a spear. Yeah. When he was going for the jackhammer, I was like, he's not about to do this. This is not happening. <laughs> I just, I find there's a, it's weird because Brock also has really quick matches there is something to the Goldberg experience that I do find addictive. I must admit, it's like anything can happen. He can literally concuss himself on his own door. <laughs> like, at that point, all bets are off. And he's wrestling these big guys, different ages. He's wrestling old guys with bad hips. He's wrestling young guys at a six foot ten. I don't know. I thought it was hilarious. And it was like two minutes flat of just finishes. Wonderful experience. And then Drew and Brock were like, we're going to do four minutes of finishes. So... It's a weird time to be in the heavyweight title picture in WWE. Hopefully it changes with Drew and Braun. Yeah, Braun wins. Right call. I mean, you didn't need to keep the title on Goldberg no. any longer. I I don't know if people were doing a bit that they thought Goldberg was actually going to win, but I was like, why would why would you ever <laughs> assume that? Um, it's good for Braun. And then one night later, we saw the exact same match, just the extended cut with Drew and, and Brock and... <laughs> It was. They, they just did a bunch of finishers, and then they kicked out, and then Drew did his finishers, and he won. It's like, all right, it's, it was literally the same match. Brock just threw in some suplexes. I've got to admit, I thought that was a miss. Like, I didn't. I mean, Brock and uh, sorry, Braun and Bill was a miss, but it was hilarious to me, and no one expected it to be a hit. Brock in the empty arena environment was. It didn't work at all to no. me. There was no tension or energy or excitement because Brock is the only guy on the whole roster. When he sets foot in the ring, like, there's an there's an intensity to it in the air, if it makes sense, and that was way gone on a taped empty arena show. So while I was interested in who won, I was not like hooked as to what was going on at all. It was just, and the Brock deal is frustrating because he can actually have better matches than basically anyone in the world with the right guy, and so often we're getting these weird matches. So. I get it now. I understand doing it in the empty arena. I'm aware that Brock wasn't going to do a 20 minute match in this setting. But like, I hope we do get a Drew Brock match at some point, even if it's SummerSlam, whatever it is, that's a good match and Brock gets a chance to kind of. And I'd be awesome, Brock, man. I love the suplexes and the F5s, but the sprint deal has kind of run its course for me now. I'd like to see some proper world title matches that have some length and some substance to them. The the issue with this match for me is, besides the fact that it was just the Braun and Goldberg match, but you're right in that it didn't feel like a big Brock match. Everything about it just felt so flat. Like when Drew won, I honestly mm. thought they should have just kept the title on Brock. Like this is, <laughs> this does not feel like a moment at all. And, and you know, Drew tries to 
point to the camera and play to the crowd that's not there and stuff. And it's just, it, none of it worked. I was, I felt nothing when Drew won. Yeah. Like they, they couldn't even do like fireworks outside the arena for him or like anything. It was just, you know, get, give me something, bring some sparklers out for this man or, or something. Like just, just not, it was a nothing moment to me. It was, the thing is that it's hard because a lot of the title changes came across like that. There was very few moments on this show where the end, the ref counted three and you was like jumping up and down or you was doing this. And it, it just is so hard with no, no sound at all. You know, and we're going to get to another match in a minute. A lot of the commentary didn't help. I actually thought the SmackDown team, yes, I am biased. JBL and Michael Cole was very, very good. Honestly, I really did think that. I'm not, I know I am insane person, but. I really believed that, Jeremy. Um, the Raw team, they weren't adding much as far as excitement, energy, drama. So what happened was the matches would just end and, you know, the ref would count free and it would be like, oh, he's done it. <laughs> it was so it was so straight. I can't explain why it was weird with some matches more than others. But it was the same with Braun, though, right? When Braun won, it was like, okay, of course. And Drew, even though we kind of knew there was a chance Brock could win, it felt the same way just because of the way it was executed. It was a miss for me. To be honest, a lot of day two was a miss for me. That doesn't mean that the format didn't work. I thought the format was awesome. It just, the way the matches panned out, unfortunately didn't kick for me on the second night. I think the Braun thing didn't feel as big, or didn't, didn't bother me as much that it wasn't as big. One, because it didn't feel like it should have been Braun's moment anyway like with drew yeah. like they had been building it and you know they they put this guy over big and there was a real story behind that match with braun is like here's a last second replacement and he's just gonna mm-hmm. win and we knew we had the boneyard match coming up and i mean you know how excited i was for that match i was like all right sure braun <laughs> won don't care let's get to the boneyard match like with drew it was the show closer like this was the big story and that that's what they ended up doing. It wasn't the real main event of WrestleMania, though. Big shit. No. And Drew McIntyre yeah. was the real main event of WrestleMania. This was weird. Like, who who decided this? I don't know, but I'm told that people were very angry about it. I don't know why people were very angry about it, but someone... I mean, Big Show decided it, right? He's got a Netflix show out. <laughs> Check it out, folks. Very, very layered, hard-hitting show. Um, featuring the trials and tribulations of an ex-WWE star. I highly recommend it, Jeremy. However, you have got to say, the Big Show holds a special place in history because he is legitimately the only guy that could do a one-night comeback to lose a WWE title match for no reason whatsoever. Only guy ever to do that, I think. Got to be. Big Show main-evented WrestleMania 2000, and he main-evented WrestleMania 2020. Like, this guy went 20 years between WrestleMania main events. Go, Jeremy. That's what I'll say. <laughs> Who, uh, nobody else is doing that. Triple H, did he ain't main evented WrestleMania in these past... Oh, I guess he did just a few Don't years Don't speak ago. too soon. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> but, uh, nobody else is going 20 years between Mania main events. What, what did Hogan... Hogan only went 10. Oh, he didn't even main event uh, 18. No. Triple H and Booker had to go on last. Or Triple H yes. and Jericho had to go on last. One of those Triple H is closest, right? He has to be. He made yeah, because he made it to um, but it, and sixteen, so yeah, close. 16. Yeah, he was close. Oh well, he'll be back next year for a cinematic masterpiece, <laughs> I'm sure. That would um, be true, actually. I'm just thinking. I said all the title changes. There was no other title changes other than the women, right? The tags. Charlotte. Yeah, that's Charlotte. it, right? Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, 
it was what it was. I, the Brock thing missed for me, but hopefully that they need to transition Brock into being an actual attraction and not champion all time, every time, because there's more. To, Brock should be the one guy that doesn't need the belt. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Surely he's the guy that you, you get weird matches out of and cool matches. He could be in the boneyard. Very fun idea. Um, but not champ anymore. We've seen enough. Time to move on, I think. They did do a good job setting up the McIntyre Big Show thing. Like people were legitimately thinking Big Show was going to win that match because they build it as like the shocking finish to wrestle what happened after WrestleMania. And it was a it was a nice tease. Like people thought people legitimately thought like something was gonna happen and instead it's just Drew beating Big Show. It's like, oh, alright. It's very big show, it's the most on brand thing ever. It's like JBL's comeback. It's like, of course, big show. Of course, under these circumstances, Big Show would come back for a one-night Raw title program <laughs> in which he puts over the new babyface. Duh, it's Big Show. Makes sense? Uh, the match, I think we were both looking forward to the most. That, oh, God. Yeah, what, oh, wasn't no. good. Joe, we overthought this one big time. Yeah, we, I've got to take an out This was bad on my part. Yeah, this is very, very bad. We we both knew this would be hampered by the, the last man cer- standing circumstances by no crowd, but we just thought, man, Edge and Orton are so good. They're they're so smart. They're so creative. They're gonna find a way to make this happen. They're gonna make this work. We said, this sucked. This is very. I, I legitimately wrote a whole feature about like imagine the ideas that Edge has. <laughs> just imagine how creative he's gonna be. And then the best part of all of it, the match started with the two two RKO's, right? And I looked to my brother, and I'm like, I'm full victory lap in this deal. I'm like. Look at how creative this starts. The matches, it puts Edge immediately as the baby face. He can fight from underneath. And then they just did 30 minutes of walk and brawl like it was a 2000 hardcore title match. And I just, it was almost, I've seen people say this was the worst match. Look, it wasn't the worst WrestleMania match ever, obviously. But there was an element to this that I have never experienced before. It felt like I was watching a loop of the same thing over and over again. And there were touches in it that I liked but they were spread across 15 minutes for each touch. And obviously the finish was good, which had clearly been considered and fought out since the first segment. But once you've done 36 minutes of just punching each other and falling down, that finish is, has no effect on me. Because I want it to just end at that point. And it, I understand they're going for War of Attrition, and my God, look at how far they'll go, but it just didn't hit. And the commentary on this still... Oh my goodness, what was happening? Why were they talking like this? I assume it was a production choice, but they were talking like they were watching something horrific, and it was a wrestling match at the end of the day. Call the damn thing. They were talking about it like it was so horrifying to watch. It was just odd, very odd. WWE does that a lot with commentary yeah. when they want to like sell this moment as being <laughs> this uh, dramatic, horrific type thing type thing so everyone just speaks in hushed tones and it's like oh my god did you yeah. just see what edge did i can't believe he used that chair against him right there like that's how they speak about these things it's like they're they're just fighting like they're just beating each other up they, this is another one of those things this is not layered storytelling it's not that deep no. they're, they're really just trying to hurt each other and keep each other down for a 10 count but the problem is there was layers in the actual story leading yes. up to the match. There was none in the match because they were doing the exact same thing to each other over and over again. Randy would take the odd shortcut, but that it wasn't prevalent enough for you to be like, oh my God, what a coward this guy is after the first step of the match where he jumped from behind. After that, they were just walking each other and throwing each other into things. And it, like, there is a time and a place for the solemn, I'm very scared voice, but 
Tom Phillips was legit just being like, oh my god, he threw him to the wall. Oh, it was like, it was so uncomfortable to watch, and it was the same thing over and over again. The count, which you pointed out to me a month ago, the count was fatal. The ten count made it slower and longer and longer. Look, I um, pretty much made the decision I was not going to be critical of much on any of these shows because it's such a. When I've read about the time that allegedly these guys taped these matches, look, at that point, hands on table, I have no clue how they did this. But I couldn't help myself with this because I actually was really excited for it. I think we both were, right? We spoke about it. I, I really believe this is going to be great. And in this, instead, it was my least favorite match of the whole weekend. Um, it just missed. It was so long. It didn't have... It had intensity, but once you've dragged that out over 36 minutes, there's none left. It was just guys walking around and throwing each other in the walls and stuff. It was no fun. It wasn't even creative. Like we thought they would get really yeah. creative with a lot of the spots. Like the the most creative spot was just like Edge hanging from the ceiling of the meeting room. Like for some reason, yeah. there's a cage fence up there, and he was able to <laughs> to drop off of that with an elbow. Like that was the most creative spot. Everything else was just that yeah, walk and brawl. Let me choke you with this. Let me hit you with this. Let me put you through this, and like that was it. Yeah, I mean, I've got to be honest. I hate that style in general. There are very few things I want to watch less in professional wrestling match than guys just walk, like, holding each other, walking alongside each other, and throwing each other into things and punching. It's just awful. And anyone that said it looked like a fight, I mean, what fights you fellas are tuning into? I don't even know where they are. Because this has been covered miles. They were just walking alongside each other for half an hour fighting each other, and apparently like a real fight. So it does seem like we're not alone on this one. I think this was just a miss, and we totally sympathise with the situation. Right? It was an for Edge, we talk about Drew, and he's the other one, but Edge, this was awful to miss out on having the audience there for his comeback match after a great build. It hamstrung him totally, no doubt about it. But someone in post-production should have watched this and reconsidered. You could have cut a whole portion out of this. And while I don't think it would have been good, it wouldn't have got the reaction of just like, end, please end. And I, I did not expect to be thinking that about the match that to me had the best build by a mile beforehand. Yeah, if this is a 20-minute match... It's still yeah. not good, but at least it's like, all right, it was 20 minutes, fine, we move on. 36 minutes, I think people said it's like the longest Mania match that wasn't an Iron Man match, which I find insane. Um, oh, my. Oh, it, 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 I don't know. I don't know if this match was longer than Triple H and Roman Reigns. That match felt like an hour as well, but this match really felt like two or three hours. It just never, it just kept going and it was the same stuff. And yeah, I felt bad for Edge because this guy, he comes back from everything and Orton, this is where I actually think the storytelling leading up to it hurt because Orton's like, you're a junkie for the crowd roar. It's like, there's no crowd roar. In mm. this, like, if Edge is, you know, oh, should I do this spot? And the crowd is like cheering him on and stuff, and Edge is like, oh yeah, I gotta do this spot. Like the crowd loves it. Like that's something. All right, that's a callback to Orton's promo that shows that Edge is like really feeling this moment and stuff. Like they, there's just none of that. It's just two guys walking around. What do we make of Randy Orton? Because I think we've both been excited for some of his stuff over the past years. I thought the Kofi stuff, as far as like the promos and the the storytelling, was good. When was the last good Randy Orton match, honestly? Yeah, I, I've got to be honest. So I get a lot of enjoyment out of his kind of, like, 
just ordinary matches, more so than probably you or normal people do. Like, the, the match he had with AJ at Mania, I thought was just like, oh, my God, what a great match. And I went on social media and everyone was like, this was nothing. So <laughs> I'm probably not the person to ask. As far as consensus, his last good match was a very, very long time ago. I can say that much. It is hard to ignore the fact that there is a real trend here of compelling builds followed by matches that people don't enjoy if I ignored that at this point, I'm just lying to myself, right? It's been happening enough now over about 10, 15 years. So it is what it is. I don't think he's to blame for this because I honestly think Edge could have come to him with any idea and he would have been like, okay, let's do it. Because he knew what this meant to Edge, right? Yeah. I have no idea if that's the case, but I would just assume based on how everything went. Um, but yeah, it is very on brand again. The old one would be involved in this match that's incredibly long and people hated. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's at this point, there is a real case to be made that just Randy has become a really odd wrestler that everyone agrees is great but has no good matches, <laughs> which is weird, right? That's a weird thing to be, but that's what he is right now. Yeah, I don't blame Orton here because of the circumstances, like you said, but there is a, a disturbing trend with him yeah. when it comes to this kind of stuff. So, hey, the buildup is great, and then just like skip. Randy Orton should do cinematic matches. I bet they'd be amazing. That's what we need for wow. Randy Orton moving forward. To be honest, now I'm thinking about it. The Wyatt match that we discussed like a week ago that was with all the weird stuff going in the ring, that should have been a Firefly Funhouse match, and we didn't even know what the Firefly Funhouse was then. Yeah. So, perhaps you're right. He should have been doing these for years, in fact. Look, I will still get excited when he does a superplex and he does that cool backbreak deal, but at some point I have got to, you know, look at the man in the mirror and be like, you're lying to yourself, Joe. You know, this is the, you can't keep fooling yourself when it comes to these things. What a great build. Randy's motivated. Oh, and then the match happens. But, yeah, I do think in this case I'm going to absolve Randy of blame. I'm going to do it officially, Jeremy. I'm going to absolve him of all blame, not blaming Randy for this one. All right. Well, you might be the only person because I, <laughs> I don't know if people are going to blame Edge for this. I don't know who they're going <laughs> to yes. blame. But, yeah. or, or in, Shawn Michaels. Blame Shawn Michaels. It's Shawn Michaels' fault. Blame him. I'm fine with blaming Triple H because this was literally a a Triple H like self indulgent. Let's go long to to show that this is a historical match, but really it's just a long match. It was very self indulgent, but there was definitely some Sean in there. The finish had Sean all over it, right? With yes. the crying and the get away from me, ref. Let me let me kill him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I blame both of them. DX sucks. Carry on. <laughs> Uh, the the women's title bouts. We had Charlotte defeat Rhea Ripley to win the NXT title. Becky retain over Shayna Baszler and Bailey retain in the fatal five way match. Take your victory lap on Becky and Charlotte, Joe. What a, what a great guy I am, huh? <laughs> I'm sitting here giving out these tips to people. They don't listen to me. They just they just focus on the wrongs I get, like saying Randy and Edge would be a classic and saying that. Um, Saying that Bailey should have lost the belt 12 years ago before we even did this podcast. But anyway, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte was my favorite non... I'm not even going to say that word again. It was my favorite normal professional wrestling match of the weekend, Jeremy. How about you? Yeah, I agree. I thought that was the best match in the empty yep. arena setting. I could have done without the yelling. Um, <laughs> either 
look, I, it was fine. Either turn that volume down. Like, this is all post-production. You can turn that part of the match down and turn the commentary up because it would just completely overshadow the commentary. And I guess we learned from the commentary anyway that was just kind of how that team was going to call these matches. But that was my biggest issue is, like, all that yelling was was very distracting. Yeah. Just turn it down, turn the commentary up. It's not quite as bad. But as far as the match goes, as far as the way they work, the intensity and stuff, I thought it was great. Uh, Rhea Ripley hitting her finish 90 seconds in and Charlotte kicking out. Maybe a little questionable there. Thought Rhea should have had a backup plan, but overall yeah. the match was good. I actually thought Rhea Ripley was a real takeaway of the weekend. Because I thought, look... Charlotte Flair is not perfect, and Charlotte, we we hear about it a lot, right? But if there's one thing she does very well, she carries herself like a star. She has natural presence. And I thought Rhea Ripley looked like she totally belongs opposite her, which is a feat in itself, right? She looked like a star. She carried herself like one. And I thought the work was great. This was another weekend that I will add to the case that, you know, in you know, history, we kind of, these eras of WWE, we look at them, there's certain things that are the headlines, Right. We've recently watched the uh, the Ruthless Aggression deal where we talk about how they changed the name and all that business. And in history, I'm pretty sure that the last five years, let's say five, maybe a little bit less, I just feel like the women are totally the headline of, right? Like this is clearly the era where we're going to remember. This WrestleMania is historic, and both openers were women's matches. Imagine that, like, not many years ago, right? That's a crazy thought, women opening up WrestleMania. They opened both nights. The first night they had a good match. Second night they had the match of the weekend, I thought. Just credit to that whole division. I know that the top girls are the ones that get all the chances and opportunities. But at the end of the day, it's hard to argue with Charlotte when she has matches like this every time there's a big show. So that was my kind of mini little takeaway, right? They, they, they killed it, all the women. They certainly did. As far as the, the booking decisions go, I mean, we talked about with Charlotte winning they don't know what to do with Charlotte unless she's yeah. in the title picture. So putting her as the NXT champion, fine. You can get some fresh matches out of NXT with her. I do hope she's just full-time NXT. I don't need to see her on Raw every week as well. Like That would just seem weird, but I, they probably want to do it to just give NXT a, a bigger rub. And then Becky retaining, uh, like you talked about last week, if you're going to take the title off of Becky, it's got to be a franchise player that you can build around. Mm-hmm. Shayna never really seemed like that person. And especially with Mania at this moment, I don't don't know if that really would have worked. I joke that they just booked based on, we got 500 interviews to do the next day on SportsCenter. Like, who's not going to screw this up? Who's going to make the company look good? And Charlotte and Becky and Drew are the people you want out there over... Brock, Rhea, and Shannon Baszler. Like no, nobody's tuning in a sports center for a Shannon Baszler interview. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I thought the match was good. I thought this was a much better use of what Shayna can do in the sense that the pace of it, yes, it allowed for an intensity and a physicality rather than you know the eight minute she's going to grab an arm and twist it this way and that way. I, I get it, and it's fine with the right person working with her. It actually is pretty compelling. But I didn't need to see it in this scene. This was perfect. Eight minutes. It was hard hitting. It was intense, and. um I am going to say it was the right decision for the reasons we discussed last week. I'm less sure. The Charlotte deal was always different, where I wasn't saying that's what should happen. I was saying I think that's what will happen. I actually think Rhea did get over in defeat, though. And I think there is money in that rematch. My aim would... I guess there's no point doing that kind of deal because there's no normal wrestling going on. But if this was a normal wrestling universe, the aim would be 
that you either save Rhea Charlotte 2 for WrestleMania next year, or you look to make that like an NXT TakeOver headliner, an actual headliner where they close the show deal, right? Because I think there's there's some credence to her building to that win. She was great in that match, though, and Charlotte is very prolific in big matches. But, yeah, all the women's matches were good. The five-way was um, hard because it's a 19-minute match with, you know, it's, there's not a lot there. There's there's one story that people are looking at, and the rest of it is just pieces. Uh, Lacey how, Evans, I thought, was good. How dare you? How dare you discredit the Lacey Evans redemption story that they were trying to tell? Look, they got me on this one. I thought Lacey Evans, when it came down to Sasha, Bailey, and Lacey, and I thought it was going to be... Oh man, they've been picking on her. They 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 killed her father or something. Whatever that weird story was. What? I like what? your reaction on that. What are you talking about? I have no idea what you're going to you remember, when... you remember that Lacey promo where she's like, "I've been bullied my whole life. My father died, but he died of like I uh, I think he was like a alcoholic or something." Or oh, something. I thought you meant Bailey and Sasha Banks did this. I was very scared. I'd miss some kind of WCW That's... vignette. <laughs> That's how she transitioned in that promo. She's like all okay, the movies and stuff. You, you you remember this, Joe? I know you do. It was on the stage, right? They yeah. didn't interview on the stage. I mean, yeah, I remember. It was a great one. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought they were going with this Lacey Evans big redemption story, and now they're building to Sasha and Bailey at WrestleMania twenty twenty. Building. <laughs> they're building to it. I mean, this be this be this be on its face, okay? We'll go through all the pieces here. Uh, uh, we can go through it slowly. We'll work logically through this. Tamina being represented like she's Yokozuna when she will never be on TV again is incredibly bold and daring, and I'm with it totally. And I mean that. I'm with it. It's so incredibly brave that I have to co-sign. Naomi, unfortunately, has now fallen into this thing where she appears to be destined to just be to do cool stuff in multi-woman matches that she loses, which is a real shame. But that's where we're at. She did that very well here. Lacey Evans, I thought this was probably her best performance. I thought she really fit in, and she had some really good little uh, sequences with Bailey. The Banks Bailey stuff was lame, though. There was nothing really to it, right? Like I understand they told some form of story, and there was layers, but it wasn't particularly. It wasn't a headline stealer, right? In then WrestleMania, saying I can't wait to see what happens next with those two. It was just another little step towards something that we've been waiting for for twenty five years. Joe, let me explain this one to you because okay. I, you may have missed some of this stuff. Okay, yeah. Did you see when Lacey pinned Sasha and yeah. Bailey could have made the save but yeah. didn't? But then later in the match, Sasha came back out to help Bailey. Bailey clearly values her title more than her friendship with Sasha, while Sasha values the friendship more than her title. I did notice it, but the only problem was five minutes earlier, Naomi had Sasha in her cool submission finisher, and Bailey broke it up. So, like, I just assumed she was fatigued, Jeremy, because she could have done that multiple times during the match and just left her to lose, but she didn't. But such are the layers of professional wrestling, I suppose. Look, it was fine. I'm not saying if this was, I guess it's not fair to say it's WrestleMania because it wasn't like an actual WrestleMania. If that makes sense, it built like what you do at a B pay per view to build up to your WrestleMania match. If that makes any sense to anyone, I don't know. But that's the way I took it. I wanted more of a conclusion rather than just, oh, some trouble in paradise. Like it was, There was nothing to it to me. Bailey's reign has been like, she's basically held it for a whole year, pretty much, right? Something around there. Like if you take, I know there's a gap in the middle, but oh, for the she, most part. Yeah, yeah, she, she won it at Money in the Bank, and then 
Um, she lost it for a couple months to, to Charlotte, and that's when she did a heel turn and won it back. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost a year, but there is a short week, two-week, month gap where she did lose it. Can you give me your top ten moments of the title reign, please? Yeah, sure. So, number yep. one, when she destroyed... We're talking the whole year, right? I, yeah, yeah. Okay. When she destroyed the Bailey Buddies, that's number one. When yep. she, she turned on Becky and aligned herself with Sasha Banks. This is no order. I'm not going to go order. I'm just going to give you ten, <laughs> ten great Bailey moments, all right? Yes. That's, that's number two. The the first match with Lacey Evans, that's number three. I don't know when it was, but that's number three. <laughs> number four is when she made fun of Lacey's kid because – that was good yeah. right there so so that's number four uh the one match with charlotte i'm sure they had multiple but one of them they did yeah one of them was was great uh cutting the ponytail which didn't happen on television but just when she came out with the the new look the new theme that theme that's a banger right away like when that theme hits you know it's bailey I, I sure do. Yeah, I sure <laughs> do. I, I always know. I never ever look around and go, well, who's this? I never do that. Yes. That's number six. Number seven is, uh, at WrestleMania when Michael Cole is like, oh, Bailey and Sasha almost got eliminated at the same time. And Bailey's like, shut up. No, we didn't. So just yelling at Michael Cole, who's on commentary. Yep. That's number seven. Number eight is when they opened, uh, that one SmackDown at the empty performance center and they're talking about Paige, who's not there and Bailey's yelling. <laughs> And Michael Cole, like that, that's just, that's just great stuff. Number nine is the promo where Paige was there and Bailey's throwing a fit. Be like, it, what is this? Are you just going to keep throwing random people into this match? And number 10 is Bailey on the floor rolling around laughing that she retained the title after WrestleMania. Top 10 Bailey moments of this title reign. Thank you. Bravo, man. That was incredible. I can't believe that you took the challenge and defeated it. That was, you know, I will say it was like, in fairness, I think she's found herself as a heel over the last month, six weeks. I think she's done a lot better. She was given a tough, she was dealt a tough hand there for a moment, right? Doing the Lacey Evans feud out of the gate is not easy. She was good in this match. I'm glad that it's clicking for her. I'm, I will never care about her and Sasha Banks wrestling each other ever because I'm just done. I'm done. I'm finished. I've moved on. But I'm glad people are happy with it. And cool for her, man. She had a, a couple of those years on the main roster were not, were not fun for her. So she's getting there. You have 10 moments. We're all happy, right? I don't know why you were doubting the role model, Bailey. Don't know why you were Britt Baker. Down. You talk about Britt Baker again. <laughs> actually uh i don't know why you are so down on bailey she's been fantastic and i hope this reign continues for another three years and then maybe she'll finally face sasha banks in a one-on-one match they'll be ready for it by then definitely yes. if you just give it some some more teases build it a little bit more more layers we need more layers is what i would say That's very maybe true. we do it cinematic cinematic style maybe for this one <laughs> that'd be good right i think they could pull it off i think how big would that match be? Bailey, Sasha Banks, cinematic style. It might be dubbed the greatest match in the entire history of every, and the greatest movie in the entire history by those on wrestling Twitter. I mean, I've seen Wyatt Cena deemed to be one of the greatest things in the history of wrestling. So, yes, it would 100% be deemed that way. Um, I can't believe we just spoke about this match so much. But here we are. This is my fault. I do this all the time. 90 minutes. It was fun. It was fine. Becky Shayna was good, and the the rear Charlotte match we both liked. 
Thumbs up all around, right? And Liv Morgan Natalia too, Jeremy. We shouldn't forget that. They was also there. They had a good match too. The women win again. That was a good match. They they finally settled their big grudge that had been building for months and months. Liv Morgan yeah. and Natalia, we needed a conclusion there. And Liv Morgan got a big victory and then lost the next night to Asuka. But we're not worried about that. No, we're not. She's getting there, right? Liv Morgan's actually like... She's good. Not get, yeah, she's not getting there in the way where we pretend someone's good. She's actually good. Yeah. And she's like a couple touches away from being a legitimate top-tier uh, female. Obviously... You know, assuming the creative is on board with that. I mean, as a as a performer, she's, like, very, very close at this point. She's been really good since coming back, actually. The problem with Liv Morgan is she came back in this Lana thing, and then they yeah. went nowhere with it. And so now Liv Morgan is just kind of, like, Liv Morgan. Like, I really don't know anything about this character. Exactly, and that's the problem. Because I think there are some people that, unless you give them a really absurd gimmick or something colourful or out there, they're not going to get over. I don't think that's the case with Liv. I think there's signs she can actually get over pretty good. You just need to paint this picture a little bit more. You can't just have her be Liv Morgan. Like it's, There needs to be more to it. We have no idea what the deal was with her and Lana. And we never will, obviously, clearly. So, yeah, we need something, and but then I think she'll be fine. She actually seems to be on the right path. Tag team title matches, Raw tag team title match, Street Profits uh, over Garza and Theory. The big thing here was Bianca Belair making her yep. debut, and then the next night it was confirmed she's going to be on Raw. You more or less called this one. You said that, you know, if you're going to take the title off of Becky, you need someone that you can build around like a Bianca Belair, and now she's there, and we'll see what happens. I don't trust that they're going to do this right away i do think you got to build up bianca a little bit uh but this would certainly be the the right person that could take the title off of becky it's a, this is a complex one because there is a lot of positives to put in with the street profits in the sense that they have a lot of personality and you kind of by doing that you introduce us to the audience in like this most seamless way right like she's just the, the extra piece of their team the, obviously, the problem with it is you want it to be way, way more than that down the line. Yes. So you have to kind of figure out a balance between she's the leader to their Matt and Jeff to, oh, no, she's actually a focal figure in this division we're going to build around for years. How do they do that transition? I have no idea. They're in empty arenas. Will it matter? Probably not. Why am I talking about this? I don't know. But, yes, it happened. The match was fun. Right? It was short, and they got to replay it with another 30 minutes on the next night. So... I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was cool. And then the the SmackDown tag team title match, which was a triple threat singles match, ladder match, Kofi Morrison, Jimmy Uso, Morrison, and Miz retain. Um, yes. I'm glad they didn't kill each other in this match. There were some rough-looking spots. They did the... The one that stood out to everybody. They did the fall from the ladder in the ring to the outside. Jimmy Uso clearly hit a crash pad or something because they cut it in a way that they didn't even show him crashing to the outside. It's like, why bother with that spot if that's the way you're going to shoot it? Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I have got to commend these guys. I thought they did an incredible job considering the circumstances. I wouldn't say they didn't kill each other. I think they went pretty close. There was a lot of awful stuff bumping on ladders and... Look, I don't know why I even spoke about that. Like they weren't going to do it. Of course they were going to do this, right? That's their, what they do. Of course they were going to be idiots and kill themselves on ladders. I very much appreciated the damage they did to Charles. I thought they did great. I thought it was a good match. Obviously, it's a triple threat match for tag titles. 
you know, kind of a cap on that one. It's tough. But everyone performed like Morrison was amazing in this match. This was one of those matches. John Morrison has like two performances every once in a while like in a year where you, you kind of go, hey, why is John Morrison not like a top guy in wrestling? And then you remember all the reasons why. But every once in a while, man, that guy is he's very special. And this was one of them nights. Morris, Johnny Mania. Johnny Mania, right? That would be his name. He looks like a he looked like a young Kurt Hitting in this match with that athleticism. That was a personal shot, me, because you know my allegiance to John Bradshaw Layfield, and I will not comment on it. I will not comment. I, I, what I will ask is, and the audience can help with this, maybe, did he reference Stan Hansen on either of these shows? I didn't hear it, but I wasn't listening very much, so I just pretended he was good on commentary. So yes, he did say that Kurt Hennig did not do many of these things, but I, he was trying. You know, he was trying his best. I think he referenced Stan Hansen in the Dolph Ziggler match. I think he said oh, yeah. he compared Dolph Ziggler to Stan Hansen. Fitting. Good fit. I like it a lot. Good job, John. I like it. Um, other stuff that happened. Otis and Dolph Ziggler. Otis and Mandy. Love wins. Cool. Mm, I thought the execution of the love part was like just a nothing. Why do you hate it was love, like, Joe? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that I won't get onto on the podcast, but... Look, I expected them to do something. No, I understand you You can't do too much as far as drama when there's no audience. But there was not a second of what side is Mandy on, how does she feel about everything that's happened. She came down, she slapped Sonya in the face, she punched Dolph in the balls, and she was out of there. She kissed Otis five seconds later. I thought it was staggering. And there also was no, like, um, Otis wasn't surprised that she helped him, right? <laughs> that was the best part of it to me. I don't know, Jeremy. I don't know what I expected here. I don't know why I expected anything. I just thought it was flat. Then again, maybe none of this was for me. Maybe that's the answer. But yes, love did win, unfortunately. I think, Joe, you just don't... You don't like love, clearly. Sure. And you don't realize when a woman has just made up her mind. She... Why <laughs> would she be... You know, oh, which way am I going to go? She saw the footage. She knows yeah. what happened to her. She just what, came what? out there and was just like, no, forget these people. Forget but she's Sonya. been a successful tag team with Sonya Deville for the last 12 years. She should listen to what she had to say first, Jeremy. you got to have some more respect for your friends than that, man. No, not, not if your <laughs> friends try to set you up with Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, but can we talk about Dolph was the most perfect fit wrestler for this role yes. ever. He looks like that guy in every film you've ever seen that's dating the, the good guy's chick, right? There's, there's, he was perfect, and his reaction when Mandy got in of, you've ruined everything, was just wonderful. Good for Dolph. Got that great WrestleMania singles match that, as I said last week, will be on the back of action figures for years to come, Jeremy. <laughs> the Stan Hansen of WWE, Dolph Ziggler, yes. with a big moment. Uh, other matches, we don't need to talk about Elias and Corbin. We, we tried no. that bit uh, for the preview, and then we went 10 minutes on it, but we don't need to talk about that. Alistair Black and Bobby Lashley was longer than I expected. Black wins, and then Apollo Crews looked better than Bobby Lashley the following night. It was it was fine. Lana's a terrible manager. I Yeah, awful. Yeah, I thought it felt like Bobby was the... It was like he was the focus of this match in the sense that they kind of... Like, he took Blake Mass, got pinned, and just basically stood up. <laughs> and, like, the point of the match was Lana sucks, right? Yeah. So, I'm cool with that. I like Bob. I think there's still some mileage there, but... It, the match was fine. They're building it was. towards it's that just, big Lashley-Lesnar match. Hey, that's kind of... Could be on the table, so let's not make any <laughs> jokes for that, because I'm going to have to really co-sign that when we get to August or whenever it is. So... 
Yeah, hopefully they give him a good manager like MVP or someone that can actually talk or do something useful. Uh, there's a guy named Leo Rush who is still out there. Who? Yeah. Leo, he wouldn't have any chemistry with Lashley. No. No way. No. Uh, Sami Zayn retains over Daniel Bryan. Hmm. I' little disappointed. I, I thought it would be thought they would have a little bit more time. Cut some time off of Elias and Corbin. Give it to Bryan and Zayn. Let them let them work a little bit more. This goes alongside a match we haven't yet spoken about, but will um, Owens and Rollins, uh, Jeremy, because this is one of those matches that there was those two matches, those two that people seem to really enjoy, and I didn't really get, I didn't reconnect with, but this one especially so. I was really surprised to see people that thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, obviously Brian's stuff looks good, and it was physical on his part, but Sammy is just a full, he's a full character at this point, right? And he's good at it. I'm not arguing it from a, I mean, I'm sure it's good for his body, but it was hard for me not to be disappointed that this could have been something much more than it was. And there was so much stalling and stuff that I didn't need in this setting, it didn't do a lot for me, to be honest. And the finish, it's about flat finishes. That one didn't do a lot, right? Yeah, I i wasn't a big fan of this match. The stalling to start with, the, the flat finish. I thought mm. the work was good once they got started, but then it didn't seem to yeah. last very long. And then the, the finish happened. I was just like, all right. It was just, it was a match on Mania. And I think mm. Rollins and Owens is the only thing we haven't really hit on that's important. From Mania. Sorry to all these. Oh, sorry to Cesaro and Drew Gulak. Cesaro busted out the UFO. You know what? That was awesome. I was glad to see that. But it was like that a was, four minute pre-show match. It was. It was about as good a four minute pre-show match as you had, but it was still a four minute pre-show match. Yeah. So there's only so much. So, um, Rollins and Owens, you was the one who said they were going to do a lot of talking in that match. My good God. I mean, I would, I'll take screen selling every time over Seth Rollins narrating the match with his, Look, it was a good match. I, I didn't like the DQ. It didn't no, fit that match, dumb. I didn't think. Yeah, I didn't think it fit that. It fit the characters the way that Owens like lured him back into the match, but I just thought it was out of place and it cut them off. Just as I thought it was starting to get good, it cut them off and they did it went in a whole different direction. Owens is... I mean, it's no point even being surprised that Owens did that jump, that uh, elbow drop, right? Like, of course he did that. It's just the most obvious Kevin Owens deal ever, but... That match was good, but I saw people loving it, and I, it just didn't do that for me. I don't know about you. I, yeah, I thought it was good as well, but the DQ thing kind of took me out of it. And it's mm-hmm. not that what happened after the DQ was bad, and obviously the only thing people are going to remember is Owens jumping off the sign anyway. But it was just it was just like thrown in there randomly, and, and it just took me out of the match. I don't I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, yeah, I'm with you. It was it. It was in a certain flow, and that took it a whole other way, and it kind of had its payoff with the, the wild spot, obviously, and that was worthwhile in its own way because it, it kind of was like a... It gave that match a moment in the show, if that makes sense. I thought the two-night format, though, and, you know, it's hard when you talk about every individual match, it might sound like it would be a negative. I honestly thought it was a success, and as good as it could be, you know, excluding some things that obviously would have changed based on what we've already said... Two nights, for me, as someone that's watching it at, like, one in the morning or whatever it was, is so much better. I can't even stress it. It was so good to be able to enjoy it all within reason without just thinking, oh, my God, we're in hour seven or whatever it is. So that was my biggest time from the show. It was just it, the format worked for me, and they made the most of a very, very bad situation, I thought. I don't know if they'll be able to pull off the two-day format as early as next year 
for mm. LA because that's a it's booked, right? Yeah, stadium. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, and I don't know how quickly the you know that's a lot of discussion, a lot of planning. Yeah. I mean, they're gonna have a lot of time to have discussions throughout the summer, but I, I don't know if they can pull it off as early as next year. But the following year, twenty twenty two. I would be a little surprised if they just don't go complete two-day format from there on out. Because I thought this worked. People are going to say, oh, you lose TakeOver. Put some NXT matches on these shows. Like, put put your main three NXT title matches on these shows. Cut out the stuff you don't really need, like Aleister Black and Bobby Lashley. Like, you, you don't need that match on the mm. show. Um, you know, put everybody in the in the Battle Royal. Do, do that yeah. whole type of thing. But... Yeah, I I would be kind of stunned if they don't go to this two hour because two four hour shows are a lot easier to digest than one eight hour show. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally with you on the NXT deal. Like making WrestleMania the only two day show. There's also the only show that showcases all three brands, not in the Survivor Series way, where they're all like in their own kind of matches and stuff. I mean, it just adds to the Mania deal. Maybe the way to do it. I'm not sure if they would. Like, I don't know what the logistics are like, but. It seems somewhat unlikely they would just dive into a two-night stadium mania, if that makes sense. I could see them being hesitant on that. I saw someone on social media suggest MSG, and I was thinking that would be kind of neat, right? If they returned yeah. to the arena just for just to see how it went, and Madison Square Garden hosting mania again would be an awesome spectacle in its own right. The atmosphere would be crazy. So that's an idea, I guess. I don't know. It depends... There's so much in the conversation like this that me and you just have no understanding or awareness of. But speaking as fans, I think we both agree this is just way better. And as you said, as silly as it sounds, two nights, four hours, a lot easier to sit through than one eight-hour show. I think with, with NXT, you do essentially, and this is my perfect WWE right here, is the four big pay-per-views are all three brands, and then every other pay-per-view is just... Like NXT is mm. already running their takeover stuff as their own pay per views. Bring back the the branded pay per views of Raw and SmackDown. Like I don't need to see, you know, all these the same matches we see every month for Raw and SmackDown on every single show. Like I don't need to see. It. I like the the branded pay per views, and with all the talent they have now, you really could give guys more opportunity because then you would be forced to put more guys on the show. To, to build towards these monthly pay-per-views or every other month pay-per-views that you're doing. Whereas if you just keep doing, you know, every pay-per-view is, is dual branded, you're still using just the same guys yeah. because there's only so many pay-per-view spots because you're, you're doing Raw and SmackDown. I mean, we've seen, like, everything you say makes perfect sense, and I agree with you there, but you, we've literally seen the examples of this just, what, three years ago when they did this, yeah, actually did the brand thing. The issue. Like, there are guys, Braun Strowman is the champ now, Imagine him if they never split those rosters. Like he had a, there was three months when they split the Raw roster where he just had squash matches. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then next thing you know, he was working Roman. Guess what? That only happens when you have these situations where it's like we need a heel for Roman. Okay, we'll put Braun up there now. And then guys, you know, they they sink or they swim. There's tons of examples from that that brand split. So I'm totally with you. I think if you're going to do the brand split at all. The, the single branded pay-per-views is so much better because it means that you really do have a separate brand. You actually have to build to a pay-per-view. There's been times in the last six months where Raw hasn't even been built into one of the pay-per-views. They're like just kind of, they'll figure out when they get there kind of deal, right? Because they probably realized that at this point, the pay-per-views have taken a whole different place. Just get back to, I think the last time they did it, they may have tried to do two pay-per-views a month. That might have been the mistake. Maybe each brand just has to build for six weeks or eight weeks, but 
as a whole, I have a conversation for another day. But I do agree with you that that's a much better system. I think. Anything else from Mania, whether it be, I don't know, your your just overall impressions of the show, I guess. I liked it very much. I, you know, we and you have had a lot of fun talking about escapism, like, but it did. It gave me something else to focus on for a few hours on the weekend, right? Or a lot of hours on the weekend. I thought there was... The only problem with it is the matches that I really liked, I was just left sitting what, thinking what they would have been like in a stadium. And that's no one's fault. It's just the natural kind of... It was just a bummer, that part of it, to me, right? Like, you mentioned the opener, the women's tag match. Obviously, I was super into that. All I could think about at the end of it was, man, that would have really rocked in the stadium, right? Like, Charlotte and Rhea, same deal. So, yeah... Obviously, the real takeaway is the cinematic matches and what that means for the future. I have no clue. I'm probably not the person to ask, as you can tell. But my takeaway, as I say, I think the women, to have four major matches on the show, majors being a bit generous to one of them, um, <laughs> they had opened up both nights. And that is a cool piece of history, I think, on the weirdest WrestleMania of all. They opened up both nights and they set the table perfectly. So, yeah, I enjoyed it very much, to be honest. Yeah, I think the cinematic matches and the women's matches were really, aside from just the circumstances, are what you're going to remember from this WrestleMania. Mm. Because the other matches, there, there was some good stuff there, but yep. the two title matches were the exact same things. The The ladder match, the ladder match honestly might have been like the best non-women's, non-cinematic match. Yeah, I would say it's... A lot of people, I think, would say Rollins and Owens. Yeah. I would say, I would say the ladder match. Yeah. yeah but so, but the, really, the the main thing here is the women's matches and the, the cinematic matches were were the best stuff on both shows. I think the two night thing is a, is a big takeaway as well because if you tried this event on one night, one would be completely different because you're not doing cinematic matches. Mm-hmm. On these, and, and that's going to be an issue for cinematic matches moving forward. Is like, can you do this at a WrestleMania where fans are forced to just watch a screen for thirty? You probably minutes? can't. Let's be honest. You probably can't. Yeah. Right? Like, you can't advertise. You'd have to be real careful advertising an Undertaker match for WrestleMania in which he will not be in the city. Right. <laughs> like, it's a whole other thing that people haven't even reconsidered. Really I think. Yeah, that's why they were able to do it. Obviously. Right. Um. And so if, you, if you've done the same card in the eight, nine-hour format, a lot of stuff probably isn't clicking the way that it ended yeah. up clicking here, even in the empty arena. So I, I thought they made – look, we said it. Backs against the wall. WWE, don't doubt them. They always come out better for it, and they did it here with WrestleMania. And now we build towards – I have no idea. Money, <laughs> Money in the bank, Jeremy. Another, another show where I get to watch people harm themselves on ladders in front of no fans. Really I good time. That, that is going to be way worse than... They're going to yes. Do, dude, they're doing a lot of ladder matches. They did one here. They're doing one on NXT. If they do Money in the Bank in the Performance Center, that's at least two on that show. Like, Knock this off. It's wild that like these ladder matches are now the norm, right? The six man, multi man, yeah, they're the they're the norm now. Not actual ladder matches, one on one. They're they're the longer. Like one on one big ladder match. I look. We've probably made idiots for ourselves because I assume there was one at TLC. So maybe not actually. I don't know. I know that. Hmm. This is a very good question that we should not have brought up at the hour. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, the, the ladder match at TLC was the the woman's tag, right? So it wasn't that. Yeah. Hmm. 
I don't know. Is that a trivia question for our next show where someone can – we'll send them a prize or something if you'd like, Jeremy. Should we no, send them – I'm just, just going to look it up like I'm doing right now. No, but they can get this. Jeremy, this would be a good prize, right? I would have to clean it, or clearly, but yeah. No, it, it, you need a, a, a distraction used Kevin Owens Cup. Don't clean it. it. When they give away these jerseys, they don't just clean it. The, the last ladder match, by the way, I'm winning the prize for myself. Uh, Andrade, oh, wow. Andrade against Rey Mysterio on Raw earlier this year. So Literally, like, yeah. friends. <laughs> we are terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what we will say about the glass here is a prize for you, Jeremy. I mean, the current climate, I do feel that that has changed slightly, just leaving it used. I think probably not the way to go, but I'll send it to you if you want it. You know, you, you've solved the uh, the riddle there. <laughs> there might have been one even before. There's actually been a fair few since October. Of course Yeah, since October of 2019. They had the Kevin Owens-Shane McMahon match. Remember that classic? Io no. and, and Mia Yim, uh, Adam Cole, Dominic, Dominic Dajakovic, and then Andrade and Ray. That's all since October of 2019. So. That's embarrassing NXT on that part. ladder matches. Wonder who who's got some pull there. Yeah, I wonder, man. I wonder. It's weird. You know, we're not suggesting anything, obviously, but perhaps it's one of those community fear guys that likes the layers. Yeah. All right, everybody. That is our WrestleMania review. We will be back on Thursday, where we will crown the winner of the WWE March Madness tournament. I know we were supposed to do it today, but look, WrestleMania was too big. For one night too big the preview was too big for one show so we we can't overshadow the march madness tournament by putting it on the wrestlemania uh or actually we can't overshadow the wrestlemania review by putting the march madness tournament there so we can't do that we'll do the march madness crowning on thursday we'll have something else for thursday we're working on some things that's just what i say when we have nothing and then we figure it out it's like a plans change you know we, we've got yeah. something plans change you can't really lose right because if we actually have something well they figured it out and if not we just pretend we never said it so there's no actual <laughs> advertisement there we're just working on something might not have figured it out by thursday you never know yeah so we're, we're working on stuff for thursday uh, sign up to Fightful Select, exclusive news, extra audio, early access to columns. Joe, I'm sure, is working on a plenty of post-WrestleMania features, the, the crowning of Drew McIntyre, the story of Braun Strowman and how he went from Rosebud to Universal <laughs> Champion, uh, the uh, Charlotte Flair shining again on the big stage. So much for Joe to do that I just pitched yeah. him. So much that will never, ever be produced. But I appreciate the session there where we fought for some ideas very much. Yeah, They're all ideas, that just won't happen. Uh, you can follow Joe on Twitter at JoeHolbert5. If you would like that distraction-used glass that you have been seeing all through the show, DM Joe, and what's the going price for that, Joe? Um, what did I ask for for my features, Jeremy? I think it was $100, but I undercut you so much that you had to lower your price. Okay, I think, look... I mean, I'm modest. I think at least 50 for the, for the glass, right? It okay. is used. You know, I do have multiple um, of these glasses. So they will appear now spreadedly. I wanted to make it a, an ongoing bit kind of deal. But now that we've just made it the whole show in, in itself, I think, I think I'm think i just going to have to lean into it even more. So you'll see them all the time, and I'm open to offers. But I will just leave it that way. Just come in with a number, and if I don't reply, I'm not happy with the offer, clearly. 50 is a steal. This is distraction used, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. It's not just... 
you know, Joe, I'm sure he's used it around just drinking regular, watching the wrestling, watching the football, watching the basketball. But this is on the distraction. Like, this is game used right here. It doesn't get any bigger than that. No, you're right. I mean, it is a big deal. Maybe I should put a price up. 75, 75. But in this economy, Jeremy, I have to be fair to the audience, you know. They are fans, these people, remember. I know me and you say some things about them, but they are fans. People listening to this and not watching on YouTube are like, what are these guys talking about with this glass bit? Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. You can follow Joe on Twitter, at JoeHolbert5. You can follow me on Twitter, at JeremyLambert88. And we'll be back on Thursday. We appreciate everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you then. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.